baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Italy does not want to be known as the store where Nonna goes and breaks her ankle slipping on prosciutto. And that's very true. I mean, who would want that on their Yelp reviews? But according to Alice Cohen and her husband, that is exactly what happened to her while she was walking to the Boston location of Italy, according to NBC News. That's one of about 40 of those Italian markets around the world. At these locations, people can grab food, buy cooking supplies, eat, and more. And like at any other restaurant or deli, some of the food can end up on the floor during a busy day. I worked in restaurants for 10 years, and I can tell you it's not an uncommon occurrence. I'm pretty sure I've slipped on rogue protein before. I've never heard the phrase rogue protein until just now. Well, I made it up. Yeah. Still, though, (laughs) when Cohen slipped on that wayward prosciutto, and there's another one, it had some lasting consequences, according to her lawsuit. This happened a little more than a year ago in uh, October 7th, 2022. I went and looked at the at the complaint in this case. That voice you just heard belongs to Dr. Thomas Russell. He teaches personal injury law at the University of Florida and at more places. He joined us so we could learn more about Cohen's case and how it fits into personal injury law history. And that history is always just one accident away. Thank you, Lauren. That is Lauren. She's one of our producers. I'm your host, Mike Rogers, and this is Something Offbeat. kind of intrigued by this story about the woman who slipped on a piece of prosciutto. I guess she broke her ankle. That's in Italy in Boston. And now she's she's suing. Had you heard about this story? I think I actually may have seen one little note about it, but I hadn't dug into it in any kind of substantial way before you wrote to me. What was your initial reaction? Well, I mean, my initial reaction was here's somebody who's been injured and that I hope that no one makes the mistake of trying to treat her invidiously or go after her or get her confused or rehash and and relive all the myths that were told about the McDonald's coffee case. That that was pretty much my first reaction to it. Back in 1992, then 79-year-old Stella Liebeck was severely burned by a cup of coffee she'd spilled in her lap. She'd bought it at McDonald's. You remember this very famous case? It became one of the most famous personal injury lawsuit cases. In fact, it was often framed as an example of frivolous lawsuits. The American Museum of Tort Law says that's not at all the case, though. Even though her injuries were severe, she offered to settle for 20 grand. The fast food giant only offered her $800. Still, the public's perception of the case remains. And people will immediately think of that, won't they? They may or they may not. It depends on whether they've kept up to date with all of the information that has come out from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and a full-length video, multiple full-length videos about Stella Liebeck's case against McDonald's. 
here's a couple important differences with the McDonald's coffee case. First, Stella Liebeck was very seriously injured. She was injured to the extent that she might have died from her injuries. This is not just you pour a cup of coffee on your thigh and you get a red mark, nor even that you get blisters. She was served coffee that was nearly boiling in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That spilled onto her groin while she was a passenger, not a driver, but a passenger in a car. And then she had third degree burns over the most sensitive six or seven percent of her body. And just for I always tell my students, your hand is about one percent to repair that damage. She needed to have skin graft surgery. So she needed to have the old skin, which was burned all the way through, replaced with new skin put in place. So one question we have is how does this compare to the prosciutto slip? One important difference is that this is a very serious injury to Stella Liebeck. And I don't want to minimize Ms. Cohen's injuries, but she had a, a broken ankle, I think is what she had. And, and comparatively small damages is what I'd say. And, and that's not the only thing that sets the two cases apart. The second big difference compared to the McDonald's case is this seems to be a one-off situation. McDonald's had hundreds and hundreds of complaints and injuries about their coffee. And they had knowledge that this product that they were serving was very dangerous and causing a lot of harm. Now, I don't know that that's the case with Italy. It's a, you know, it's a prosciutto promotion. I personally believe that when you go to stores and they're giving you food, that there's no calories or fat in that, that that doesn't count against your daily allocation of calories or fat, that you can eat as much as you want at Costco or anywhere else. And I think maybe the case, maybe it feels a little funnier because it's prosciutto rather than, I don't know what, salame or guanciale or something different. Okay, so we're going to do something a little bit different today, and I'm pulling in some special guests. Ooh, exciting. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Even better. During our production meetings, the staff here at Something Offbeat um, realized that there's never been a definitive ranking of the most dangerous deli meats. So my other producer, Chris wanted to weigh in, as well as the managing editor of National News Podcast here at Odyssey, Myron Kaplan. You're right. That is a lot better than Taylor Swift. I think so. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Mike. I think I've sold out a few fewer stadiums than Taylor Swift has in my career. One or two fewer, right? Okay. Just a couple. Now, I want to go back to Lauren. You, you said you're talking about dangerous lunch meats. This is a new concept. Dangerous in terms of what? Well, since we're talking about um, this woman who unfortunately slipped on prosciutto, I wanted to see if we could determine the risk of other deli meats on the floor and whether or not they would pose a slipping risk. So I found 10 uh, that I thought were pretty common. And then I think we should maybe whittle it down to the top five most dangerous ones. So right. give us I'll the, read the give, list. Give us the 10. So we've got, I put prosciutto at number one because it's what we're talking about. And then just regular ham, number two. Number three, salami. Number four, pastrami. Number five, turkey. Six, roast beef. Seven, bologna. Eight, chicken. Nine, olive loaf. That one's kind of weird, but I wanted to throw it in there. And then 10 is lox, which is my favorite thing to get at a deli. So I had to put it in there. I was going to say about olive loaf, the only person who would put olive loaf on this list is someone who actually eats 
olive loaf. But all right, we'll play the game here. We're going to rank our most dangerous lunch meats in terms of slippage. I'm going to go with the ones that have the most fat in them because they would be the, the, the most oily and therefore the most likely to, uh, to to slip on. So, yeah, prosciutto is a good one. I'd put that on there. Salami is, uh, is very oily. Uh, pastrami, too. I'd put that on there. Bologna, maybe the olive loaf. I don't know. I noticed you, you didn't put corned beef on there. I I would put a lot of fat in corned beef. Might have put that you know on. what? I should have put I should have put corned beef on there. I love corned beef. Chris, I'm thinking a lot of the ones you did not name. I'm thinking about ham and turkey and chicken because you know how after you get those cold cuts at the grocery store, after a couple of days they get really slimy. They get slimy. Yeah. And I'm thinking that mm-hmm. would cause more slippage than some of these. I don't want to call them grittier, but they're not as slick as some of these two-day to three-day-old turkeys and hams. I guess we're going to have to go home and perform some research, aren't we? Just drop various slices of lunch meat on the floor, right? Does this count as a workplace injury if we (laughs) slip and fall? (laughs) Lauren, how about you? Um, So I was going to say prosciutto actually does seem like the most dangerous one to me because it's so thin and it has a lot of fat, like you were saying. Also, lox, which I put on there... um, that can get pretty slippery. So those would be my top two. I would say prosciutto number one. And then what about you guys? What's your number one choice for most dangerous deli meat? I'm I'm gonna go with the uh, I'm gonna go with the salami. If I have to pick okay. one from the few that I mentioned, I think I'm gonna go turkey. That seems to get the slimiest. Assuming okay. again that you leave it in the fridge for a couple of weeks and, and take it out. Yeah, exactly, it gets pretty slippery. Hello, Myron Kaplan. Hello, Lauren Berry. So, Myron, I know when we were talking about this earlier, you wanted to weigh in on this most dangerous deli meats or deli options discussion. Uh, Chris, Mike, and I already went through my list, um, and we each picked one. I said prosciutto, and it's kind of a basic answer since that's what we're talking about, but that was my pick. Uh, Mike picked salami, and Chris said turkey, um, particularly old turkey, which is slimy old turkey. Ew. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he thought it would be kind of like more disguised in the floor, maybe, and like slimier. But can, can I, I think... say I really appreciate the lens you go to for for your journalism? This is thank you. Great. We try, great. and then so, but we need to do a top five list. We just have three. Mike pointed out that I forgot corned beef on the list, which was a really big fumble, and I think it would be pretty dangerous. But I think you've got thoughts about that as well. So I'm going to let you. Tell me your thoughts about this list and what you think might be the most dangerous deli meat. Well, thank you. Well, if you're thinking about corned beef as an option, I think that would just kind of be your safety. Mm. If if you had to slip on any kind of meats, uh, deli meats, corned beef has a kind of texture that might hold your shoes in place a little more firmly than the other options, which are slick. And I'm looking at this list you have provided, and you have put locks on this list, which technically is not a deli meat, it's a fish, but it, if, it's, if it's a deli offering, locks would be the most dangerous thing to slip on in a deli because it's fish, it's slippery, it's slimy, it is meant for you know, fish will just living in water, evading all form of bigger fish that will consume it. And its final revenge on us is uh, finding our feet in the deli and 
uh, making us fall on our faces. I which, agree. I, don't I, know I love locks, but I think it is menacing as a, a floor debris item. I could definitely see myself slipping on locks. So I think that we've decided, you and I, that locks deserves a special mention. I think maybe it could be the fifth mm-hmm. item, uh, most dangerous deli offering. But from the core meat categories, do you have a mm-hmm. top one that you think might be the most dangerous? Mm-hmm. I think we'd have to go with like salami also being a like mm-hmm. a pretty if if we're not looking at the like prosciutto, which kind of comes loose and, mm-hmm. you know, it, in order for prosciutto to really slip you up, you need a lot of prosciutto because it's just it's not there isn't a, they come in very thin strands. But but salami, you get a like one piece of salami, you you touch that on your foot the wrong way. You're you're going down like you're you're going forward first and then you're going down or to the side. That is also very slick of a meat mm-hmm. i would not want to face a slice of salami in a dark alley or a dimly lit deli or a dimly lit bodega i agree so i think we need a fifth one and i'm gonna put this out there since i need to i guess defend myself for having put this on the list in the first place olive loaf you know i don't like olives so i think it's the grossest one on the list but i also think it's got a double danger because if the olives pop out there's like two things that could slip you up. You know, you could slip on the olive, you could slip on the loaf. Okay, so here is my take on olive loaf. For one, I had kind of vaguely heard of it, but I don't have a lot of experience with olive loaf. It just, it's not, it, it wasn't run, it, it wasn't a popular offering in the delis of my youth. But looking at these Google images, which... Are, are making me a little nauseous because there's like these big splotches of green in the middle. The texture is very baloney like it's, it's kind of a mess. It doesn't really know what's going on. And so I would call this the chaos meat. Chaos this is a, meat. Yeah. I mean, I would certainly like, it would certainly uplift its marketing a little bit because just like, look at this chaos meat. It's got like so many things. It's got so much going on that I'm that, you know, if, if you drop this on the ground and we're just like, you don't know what you would get. Okay, cool. So I think we've decided you you and Mike both voted for salami. So I think we actually got to put that in the top spot. Yeah. I yeah. think prosciutto probably number two since we have evidence here of its danger. I think the old turkey number three. That's gross. Thanks, Chris, for that one. Chaos meat, aka olive loaf, number four, and then lox, the dangerous fish, mm-hmm. number five. What are you comfortable with that? Um, I am. I don't think lox is technically a meat, but I think it's it definitely ranks as far as like it. people should be aware of the danger. So when you go to the deli this holiday season to, you know, get your fixings for your family, these are the four meats or proteins that you should be concerned about. Watch your step. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Now, in a future episode, we're going to talk about dangerous cheeses. That'll be fun. (laughs) 
So how do you see this case as a personal injury expert? If they're serving it, prosciutto falls on the ground and an employee or a manager sees it on the ground and does nothing. That's one thing, then they have notice. If on the other hand, it falls on the ground and it sits there, say for hours, right? Or for an hour or something, and no one from the store notices or does anything, then that's another thing too. That's, you know, they they should have a better cleanup plan than that. And when we teach torts, as I do, we always use the example of a banana, a banana on the floor in a produce department. If it's blackened, it's been there for a while. We know that, right? In between an employee seeing it fall immediately and it having been there for a long, long time is an indeterminate area. If the prosciutto were there for, you know, a minute or two or five minutes, you know, I, I don't know that we can call Italy negligent for that. Slipping on things on the floor, is, it, is that a fairly common source of, of litigation? Do you see a lot of these? Well, first, I'd say it's fairly common in in actual life is what I would say. And, and that's an important thing to, to note that slipping and falling is a super common way to be injured. And one of the things I did is Ms. Cohen, at the time she fell, I believe she was 65 years old. She might have been 64, could have been 66. I'm not sure, but right about 65. And in 2020, there were 36,000 deaths among people uh, 65 years and older doing, due to falls. It was the leading cause of injury and injury deaths for senior citizens. So it's, you know, I mean, we don't want a piece of prosciutto to be lethal, but that's, you know, part of the option, I guess, right? Are these cases common? And the answer is not that common, right? Honestly, tort cases are brought less frequently than people think, but most Mostly what the tort system or the personal what personal injury litigation does is deals with car crashes. You know, that's why personal injury lawyers advertise on billboards along highways and on buses, because that's where the cars are. If I was a business owner, I wouldn't be getting sued left and right for falls. A lot of people think that that's a common thing to be sued for, but it's not. It's really not unless you can show that a, you know, that a business owner really knew the ice was there, was really kind of callous about it. Then there's generally a kind of feeling that when you go out walking around in the winter, you know, you might slip and fall uh, and that's it. In Colorado, for example, I, I sometimes think the life cycle is you come out, you live in Colorado in your 20s and 30s. You're high and drunk all the time, and then you get a little bit older, and then you slip and fall and you die, and that's simply the life cycle of Colorado. You know, every case is different. Some are frivolous. But when we hear stories like this, do you find that people tend to lump them all into that frivolous category? The answer is yes, because I think for generations, insurance companies in particular, but also, frankly, the media have participated in portraying people making claims uh, negatively. There are quite few claims that we would call frivolous when you get down to it. And actually, I, there are when you start to look at defenses, and I've written about this, there are many, many defenses that are frivolous and, and where insurance companies, which are defending these claims, simply don't look at the facts that they have at their hand and, and answer complaints in fully frivolous ways. There's a variety of guards against frivolous claims. Ms. Cohen's claim is brought by a lawyer. 
the lawyer has to spend time on this claim, has to interview clients, has to draft a complaint, has to get her medical records, has to interact with the insurance company, has to do a lot of work, frankly, in order to just advance this claim. Next time you're at an Italian market, you're going to keep an eye out on the floor? Well, I'm always cautious when I walk around. It's the life of the tort professor. But I, you know, I think I can count on mostly. I mean, Italy is a it's a tremendous multinational corporation with a big uh, a big operation in Bologna in northern Italy that's practically a, a food theme park, you know. So I think I can mostly trust that they're gonna behave well and and do some things. And as for the danger ham case, it's a little bit surprising to me in this case that it hasn't settled. That suggests to me that the prosciutto was probably on the on the floor for just a brief period of time. That's what that suggests to me. Because, I mean, again, I, my understanding is that her the dollar amount of her medical bills was something in the range of seventy five hundred dollars, which is you know trivial for a big a big company or its insurance company, which is probably defending this. So in other words, if Italy had thought that there was any kind of culpability on their part, even a, a tiny bit, they would have written a check. Or their insurance company would. Yeah, you would think right. they yeah. would because they have to take into account, you know, does she have a real claim? Does she have real damages? Should we offer a certain amount of money? What is it going to cost us to defend it? You know, those are some of the calculations. I'm Mike Rogers. Thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Barry and Chris Blake. Audio editing by Chris Blake. Original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall. If you'd like to keep listening, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got your own offbeat story you think we should hear about, send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 